Before we go into the Word this morning, I want to speak very briefly, just a little bit about holiness. I, a couple of years ago, I it was about a nine-month process. I don't know what happened. I've grown up in the church. I've seen incredible signs and wonders and power and, and the moves of God and uh, extremely accurate prophetic. I've seen the hype of flesh, you know, when it's all hype, but there's not real any presence or substance. And I've seen all of those things, but yet, no matter how many times a person tells you you need to stop doing that, or you, none, those kinds of corrections never seem to empower a person. The Bible says that the law stirs up sin. As soon as you tell them to stop, now they want to do it. It's like a child. Don't do that. They're like, well, now I want to do it. This is what the Bible says. But there is a work of the Spirit that is, it's, doesn't seem charismatic enough to some. I, I've got news for you. God is, is really not impressed by your gift. He gave it to you. <laughs> you know, he's like, that's great. But I do believe there is something in the heart of God that has to do with intimacy and a holiness, but legalism and forcefulness and in condemnation will drive people the opposite way. However, when the church looks exactly like the world, they lose their voice. And there is something I believe that God is wanting to do again that has to do with holiness. And I don't want to teach on this. I, I guess I am sort of. But there's a psalm that's very close to my heart. It says... In Psalm 24, who may, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, but he that hath clean hands and a pure heart, and has not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he may receive the blessing of the Lord. Now, we receive the blessing of the Lord, obviously, in Christ. We are given his righteousness imputed upon us. But that's upon us. But righteousness within us, there's something very precious when a person loses their taste and their affections that everything that the world has to do. And you can't do it to someone, and you can't even do it to yourself. You can't. It is a work of the Spirit. A couple, a couple years ago, this, something happened to me. I don't even still today know what it was. For about a nine-month period. I mean, I've always loved the Lord, and I've always just sought after Him in His presence. But something took place in my heart that I, I cannot explain. Uh, we lived only a mile away from this building at the time. And, I mean, my wife will tell you, I used to come to the office. And there was probably, I don't know how many times, I want to say all the time, but probably the majority of the times I would try to drive to the, I mean, one mile. I couldn't make it. I would have to pull over. I was crying so heavily under the presence of the Lord. And it wasn't anything I was doing, it wasn't, it was in a sense to spite me. And I started to understand what a gift of repentance actually is. It wasn't even some great sin, I wasn't involved in anything secret, no. Just a desperation for God started to grip my heart and I started to think differently. And I started to long for holiness, not, not the forcefulness, not legalism, that will kill and destroy. But our holiness, and, you know, you think once that kind of thing happens, you think, I'll be like this forever. And you're not. The year after that ended was a very, very difficult year for me. And, you're, you know, you're up and down like anybody else. But it puts something in your heart that you recognize when God starts to move in people's hearts to separate them. 
There is something about that that has a, a lot of authority. It puts authority back in your mouth when you speak about the Lord. And it convicts people around you. It really does. And I'm praying and continuing to pray for the Lord to do that with us and with me. And because it changes everything. That's what changes the way you husband. That's what changes the way you father. That's what changes. It changes everything. You will never recover with principles what you lost in intimacy. Never. Never ever. Draw near to me, the Lord says, and I will draw near to you. There's nothing like closeness with the Lord. And so I encourage you, don't see holiness. You may have had a bad experience with legalism or with forcefulness or with Bible bashing. There is a preciousness to the holiness of the Lord that when it touches a heart, when it touches a life, you will be different. You will be different. And I encourage you to start to pray for that here in our midst. And I used to tell the youth, when we used to lead youth, I used to tell the youth, you know, you should be careful what you do. They said, why? So I said, because everything you do, you know, will be found out. And they were like, nah, we're good at it. We've got it sorted. And I had to tell them, you know, pretty much you're going to be the one to tell other people. They were like, no, nah, never. I'm like, yeah, the Lord's going to move in your heart, and you're going to probably tell some people what you've done. And you're probably going to be the one to tell your parents one day. They were like, nope, never. And, uh, you know, that's what happens. And God convicts you, and you stand up, and you begin to tell people the truth. There is a freedom in that, that when you have no skeletons in the closet, nothing behind, nothing coming to get you, and God is, I don't know why, the Holy Spirit is just putting this on my heart right now. It was not, not of, nothing about what we're talking about. But this generation that is growing up in this nation has not yet seen a church that is separated unto the Lord. There is nothing for them to give their life to except for form and method, which has no power and no presence. And we need to pray and ask the Lord to do it again, not just signs and wonders. I long for signs and wonders. I've seen many by the grace of God. But not just that. Not just that. You know, in the Bible, there's, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the seven spirits of God that are before the throne. And in Isaiah, it talks about the sevenfold Holy Spirit. Like the spirit of wisdom and revelation and power and might and the seven forms or ways of the Holy Spirit. And one of them is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And you know what it says? It says the one that God delights in is in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. That's not afraid. That is something that grips your heart, that you realize, man, I am not like the Lord at all. It's a, it, and from that is real worship. From a human to a deity. Worship. That is what is missing. It really is. And yet we can't do it. You can position yourself for it. You can position yourself for it. And there's so much cheap preaching, peddling truths, sort of truths as truth. It's not. But because there was a generation that forced it down, a younger generation's throat, 
now they've had a distaste in their mouth for that kind of speaking. Friends, when, a, when the terror of God will grip your heart, it's not, I'm afraid like he's going to hurt me. It's not that. When the holiness of God touched Isaiah's lips, he says, take a coal from the fire and touch his lips. He said, I'm an unclean man. I have unclean lips. I live with an unclean people. He saw the Lord. And he's, when, he's, when you see the Lord, you see yourself in the right light. Peter, Lord, we've done it all night. Lord, okay, fine, we'll do it, for whatever. Does it, the fish, boom, he falls down on the boat. Depart from me, I am unclean. You see the Lord, you see yourself. When a person becomes aware of their state before a holy God, it changes you. And all you feel is loved. All you feel is loved. But you know, my goodness, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. That's like what I was reading about. The cry of the heart saying, God, I can't do it. Now we know we can't do it. Jesus did it for us. That's why he puts his righteousness on us. But he will also work that into your life. But only he can do it. But you can position yourself for it. You can. People have this perspective of leaders and pastors. and It's just not true. We're as normal and regular. Please, don't have superstars. Just don't. It's so unhealthy. I don't know why the Lord is pulling me so strong down this path. Seek the Lord. Pursue the Lord. Pursue righteousness. Pursue Him, not people. Let Him grab a hold of your heart. I'm telling you, friends, there is nothing like intimacy with Jesus Christ. Nothing. Zero. Nothing else will fulfill, nothing will satisfy. That's Solomon's life. All the money, all the women, all the wisdom, all, everything. And he learned. Didn't matter. I need the Lord. So, that was for free. You know, the last three weeks, I've had to rush through... <laughs> I've started so late every time. Another thing I think I should say quickly. A lot of people come at me and say, you must stop apologizing, stop apologizing. So, as of today, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not going to apologize. I will just say this. I'm going to preach until I feel the Lord is done. Yeah. If... If you need to leave, listen, leave. I'm, I mean it in the, like, you have freedom. I can't force you to stay here. I know there's time commitments. That's why I, I'm trying to be aware and sensitive and respectful. That's all. But to your advice, I will not apologize <laughs> about the Lord and His Word anymore. So... John chapter 10, what do we want, a religious system or a relational kingdom? Now, I'm not going to read, we've read the whole chapter four, three weeks in a row. Well, not the whole chapter, first like 16 to 20 verses. So I'm not going to read it, but Jesus comes along, no, no, let's read it a little bit. <laughs> so, John chapter 10 says this, my iPad is not working, all right. Most assuredly, verse 1, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. So I can't recap everything because it's four weeks. It's impossible. But it was always God's intention to lead by his voice, not even by your conscience, by his voice. He walked and talked with them in the garden. They had absolutely no problem with obedience until the stranger's voice, until the enemy spoke. Then all of a sudden it discolored obedience, and now they thought they were losing out. Anytime we partner with the stranger's voice, it'll actually change who we see and who we think God is. Anytime. Because it was always his desire to lead you by his voice. And this is not even talking about the prophetic or a gift or prophecy or hearing for other people. This is daily life. Verse 9, we'll come there. They will go in and out and find pasture. This is you, everyday living. And the voice of the Lord, there's, there's nothing like it. So, verse 4, And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Verse 7, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Here's the door, obviously, through him comes salvation. All who ever became before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And he goes on to speak about hirelings and wolves and a few other things. So we've said it. There are many voices, and right now in this nation, there's many voices. And all the negative characters in the story of what Jesus is trying to outline, which I believe is a new covenant relationship. We have to understand that they were a nation. They were going around proselytizing people to their exact culture, to their exact clothes, to their exact way of thinking, to their exact law. Then they hear this good news. Jesus says, listen, go out into all the world and preach this gospel to every creature, which means, and it's not just Judaism, now I've come to make you righteous. I've come to remove the separation between you and God. So go out into all the world and preach the good news. But you're now going to experience multiple cultures. So they're like, everything is changing. Every, he, Jesus literally turned their world inside out, upside down. Everything's changing. It's not about this anymore. It's about this. Because I've come. So now they have to go out and not proselytize people and make sure they look just like you, but no, preach the gospel so they start to look just like him. And he will put his spirit in you and he will change you from the inside out. So now everything's changing. So he says, listen, there's these characters that will come along, hirelings. Hirelings will always sound like shepherds, that if you follow a hireling, you'll have a mistrust for authority. That's where it comes from. You listen to the voice of a hireling you thought was a shepherd, now have a mistrust of authority because they left when it got bad. There's wolves, there's sheep, there are all these voices because we still live in a fallen world. So he's come, but we live in a fallen world and things come at us. And he said, you, not, you must discern who is who. Because if you partner with a stranger's voice, when you partnered with a stranger's voice in the garden, what happened? All of a sudden, you saw God through his eyes. You became afraid. There was no one afraid of God except the devil. 
because you become a slave to whomever you obey. <laughs> so every time we partner with a stranger's voice, or every time these, they come as thoughts, which we'll get to, and what we do with them is important, because make no mistake, there are two kingdoms, and both of them see you as an empty vessel. And they want to fill you. There's no such thing as, no, you know, just empty and leave them alone. No. They are trying to fill you. God for good, the enemy for bad. It's like children's church. God, good. Devil, bad. That's it, really. But it comes through all these different ways. And it comes as thoughts. Thoughts that sound like the Lord. Thoughts that sound like us. And Jesus is saying, come to discern. I'm not even talking about prophecy or hearing for another or a gift. Everyday living. Everyday life. So we've gone over this. God is speaking to you. You can hear his voice. And I know we've touched on this three weeks. Can I tell you a little quick story? I met with a young lady, I don't know, about a year ago. And she was facing some troubles, and her mother asked if I would, and I said, absolutely. And so I met with this young lady, and um, a teenager, and, and I don't meet with ladies alone, but, you know, her mother was there outside the room, it's all safe, so relax. And um, so I met with her, and I said, you know, why don't you ask the Lord what to do? And she said, well, I, I, I can't I can hear his voice. I said, oh, yeah, you can. She said, no, I can't. So I said, you can, I'm going to prove it to you. She said, you're going to prove it like proof, like proof. So I said, yeah, absolutely. I said, I'm going to ask the Lord what I think you should, what he says you should do, and I'm going to write it down. She says, when? I said, now. She's like, all right. So I just said, all right, give me a second, and I said, Lord, in my heart, what, what practical things should she, should she do? Just write down five or six things, just in a bullet list. I said, all right, now it's your turn. She looks at me like, are you okay? Like... She's like, what are you talking about? So I'm like, what you're going to do is you're just going to talk her through it. Just ask the Lord. I said, and suddenly things will come to your mind. Weird things, strange things. You think, no, there's no way that could be the Lord. You think it's you. I said, whatever comes to your mind, write it down. She said, that's it? I said, uh-huh. She's like, okay. I mean, she felt awkward. So I'm, now she's like, are you, you know, you're just going to stay there and watch me? Uh-huh. So she, you know. And she asked the Lord, you know, she's like, uh, God, um, you know. And, uh, and so she says, I said, all right, that's good enough. What, uh, what do you think you should do? What did the Lord say? She's like, I don't know. So I said, well, what do you think? She says, ah. I said, what was the first thought? She said, ask my sister. So I said, all right. I showed her, number one, ask her sister. She just started to cry. She said, that was the Lord? I said, yes, that was the Lord. She said, oh. I said, do it again. She's like, okay. <laughs> now we're like, me and Jesus, like, you know. And, and did it again. Next thing she said, also totally random, number two. Number three. You can hear his voice. And then there is a stranger's voice. So we went over this last week. Building a foundation for God's voice in my life. There is a difference between Logos and Rhema. Can we quickly throw this up there? 
The Logos, people say the Logos is the written, the rhema, the spoken. It's not true. Uh, Logos, it actually means to speak. But Logos is that. It's the word of God spoken by a living voice, a word uttered by a living voice that someone has said. But it is also doctrine, you know, Old Testament. So this is alive. I've said this many times. The Logos is the scripture is alive. Jesus is the living Logos. The Holy Spirit is the speaking Logos. So this is, has life to it. We've covered this. And this is alive. The Logos has a language. Okay? I know this is a, a strange way to say it, but it really will maybe help some people understand. Because I'm not trying to complicate it. I'm trying to make it simple. Because you're trying to build a foundation to hear the voice, the, the voice of the Lord just become so crisp and sharp and clear that when the stranger's voice comes, Jesus said, it will be like, no, that's not, I will never follow him. I don't know that voice. It's not even confusing. So, to lay this foundation, Logos has a language. Logos speaks rhema. When the Logos speaks to you, when you're reading the word and suddenly, shoo, that's the rhema word, it's come alive in your heart. Because the Logos speaks. Jesus was the Word made flesh. John 1.14, the Logos made flesh. That's why he said, I do not speak. I did not come to speak, to, to, to use my own words. I, came, I only speak what I hear. He only speaks God's Word. So, Rhema, that's Logos. Rhema, the words being uttered by the living voice. Things spoken, any sound produced by the voice having definite meaning of speech discourse. Rhema is when something that God says comes alive to you. Now you can receive rhema from two different sources, in a sense, mostly. You can receive it from Scripture. Now I, I, I wrote it this way, the people at the back, I'm all over the place, so if it doesn't come up there. But you can receive rhema from Scripture or from Logos, the written word, and you can receive rhema apart from Scripture. Now, I wrote in the notes, apart from Logos, that it doesn't really matter. That's not true because it's still the Lord speaking and he is the Logos. But you can receive rhema from here and you can receive rhema not from here. But this is the foundation. So when the Lord speaks to you about another person, that's a rhema word if it's right and accurate. But it's not coming from, it's not something here that's suddenly been revealed to you. But now you're giving them a prophetic word or an, this happened to you when you were whatever. God has spoken to you about someone. That's God's word coming to you, but it's not something that he has said that is being illuminated or revealed to you. Now, if you don't have this foundation in your heart and in your life, and we don't know how to discern, people start saying, the Lord is saying this, but it's not him. Because it will never go against this. Am I making sense? I know we've all heard this, but I feel that it's very important in this age and what we're living to go over this again. So, in John 17, it says this. We did this already as well. Jesus praying for the disciples. He says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you've given me out of the world. They were yours, that you gave them to me. And they have kept your word, logos. That word kept means valued. They have valued. They have also, he was the living logos. He's like, they've stuck by me when everyone else has left. But they also have a value in a heart for the scriptures. They have kept your word. That doesn't mean they were perfect. Look at, you know, they, we all know. Verse 7. Now they have known that all things you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words, Rhema. 
I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So here's, you see the pattern. They have kept, they've had a value, they've put a foundation of your logos. They have that. And because of that, I give them rhema, revelation from your word, or revel I've given them the words from heaven which can come, as we know, through Scripture or straight to your heart. He said, so they have a, they've, they've kept your word, so I gave them Ramer, and they have received them. All times, the voice of the Lord, when He speaks in your heart or He speaks to you through Scripture, it has to be received. Meaning, it'll sometimes come, and you know it's the Lord. Now what? <laughs> It's almost like we have to make a decision before we go any further down this path. If I know it's the Lord, will I listen? If I know it's the Lord, will I do it? Because His Word is all authority and power. I've had people say, you know, every time I really hear the Lord speaking to me, it's like, He's like, stop, or no, or shouting, and... You know, if a father loves their child or a mother and their child's running into the street, what is their parent's voice going to sound like? Stop! No! If your choices are something that you are not even thinking is dangerous, but the Lord who sees what you don't, and He knows that's going to run you in trouble... And so he's like, no, stop, don't. Not because you're bad little sheepy. No, I, I love you. I don't want you to get hurt. So it always sounds like correction. Please hear my heart. That's on you, not on him. He loves you. Learn to listen to his nudges before he has to knock you down. Because you're running towards a cliff. It's like, mm-mm. Mm -mm. Smack! It's like the Lord is not nice to me. I'm like, no, He saved your life. Hello? Does it make sense? Mm. I was never a teenager like that, right, Dad? Always just absolute, just glorious and pure and not true. So, building a foundation. For God's Word in our heart. We went over Hebrews 4.12, that God's Word, the Logos, has properties and it has effects. The properties are living and power. It's alive and it has, it's alive with God's Zoe life and it's powerful with God's power. It has effects in your heart. It's a discerner and it's a divider. A divider of what? Soul and spirit. Every time you read the scriptures, your soul, in a sense, gets pushed down, the voice of the flesh, and your spirit man is strengthened. It teaches you easily who is who. And that is, every time I speak on the voice of the Lord or the prophetic, people say, I just don't know if it's me or the Lord. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. It pushes the vo one voice down and brings the other voice up and strengthens and empowers it. And it's a discerner. That word means fit to judge. What? The thoughts and the intents of the heart. It helps you know yes, no. So, can we look at that quickly? 
and then we'll be practical. I almost said sorry. It's not true. <laughs> so, can we follow a little sequence of scriptures? Voices. When I say voices, I'm not talking like, yeah, you have voices in your head. I'm not talking like that. Influences. They come as thoughts. You know that voices or thoughts are seeds. They are seeds. What is a seed? A seed is something that if it is fine soil, everything that is needed is already in it. Hello. Look at this. Mark 4. Now, I know the context of the parable of the sower, which many people know, is the context of when you go and preach and Jesus is telling them when you throw the seed, you will have different responses. But God is also called the great gardener in Scripture. And so let's look at it from that perspective. What does he say? Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun uh, was up, it was scorched, because it had no root, it withered away. Some fell among thorns. Oh, what's that? Other seeds. See that? Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it so it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Now, go to verse 13. He said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, logos, scripture. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones, and he starts to go through each of the ones he said, but listen to what he says. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear. So when we hear the word or read the word, because now we're not talking about rhema in a sense apart from logos, word of knowledge, prophecy, dreams, vision. We're going to get to that. We're still talking about just receiving rhema from this to build a foundation. Okay? When we read or when, when we hear a message or when something of this is illumined to us, it's a seed. Sometimes it can even come as a thought. You're driving in the car, whatever, something that someone has said or something that you heard, something that has to do with the Lord or, or even if the Lord puts a thought or something in, it's a seed. It comes as a seed. Do we agree? So far, because that's what we just read. What is amazing to me, it says, when these ones by the wayside, when the word is sown, when they hear, Satan comes immediately. How terrified is he of God's word coming alive in your heart? Man, he's busy. All the words that has been sown, he's like, oh, oh, oh. because he knows that God's word alive in a human heart that is is part of God's family that is saved, has more power and authority than him. How terrified is he? We're not even getting to the prophetic. The scripture. That he runs around, snatch, snatch, snatch. No, don't let it happen. Don't let it grow up. Oh, he's afraid. Don't be afraid of him. So the sower sows the word, logos. So it's... A thought, let's say, that comes in seed form. Well, look at the next verse. Now, this one in Matthew 13 comes directly after the parable of the sower. Jesus says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Oh, good job. 
But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares. A tear looks exactly like wheat until it's grown up. Right at the end only can you separate them and tell the difference. So what happens is they would sow tares. Enemy would sow tares in the farmer's field. And they would think it's wheat in a sense. And they would have to let it grow all the way up until they could separate them. Sometimes we have followed a hireling. We have followed a wolf. We have followed a down the wrong path. Because every thought, every, every influence has a path attached to it. And sometimes you only figure out down the road by the fruit, ooh, that's not a good thing. Is it just me? Jesus said, this is how we'll know them, by their fruit. So he says, the devil, if it leads to death, destruction, kill, steal, destroy, you, in a sense, you followed a stranger's voice. Now, I'll come and I'll bring you back, but learn to discern. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. It's what's happening now in this nation. Things that are being said that sound like love, that sound like truth, that look like it's from a good heart. Oh, but the fruit? Mm-mm. Not good. But it looks the same. It sounds the same. It's a stranger's voice. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, the tares appeared. So, what do we see? We see we live in a fallen world. Even when we're pursuing the Lord, we will have things in our hearts because when the man slept. Even it's just we live in a fallen world, things will happen in our heart that are not your fault. It just is life. Yeah? Let's be realistic. It's just life. Because we live on this earth. So the enemy can put thoughts in your head. I hope you understand that. He can put thoughts in your head. Those also are seeds. The enemy can put a thought in your head. The Lord can put a thought in your head. So, what did Jesus say in Matthew 9? Talking to the Pharisees. Knowing their thoughts. People say, oh, I want to be around Jesus. He knows all your thoughts. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain, that word is to host, to care for, to celebrate with. Why do you entertain evil thoughts, where? In your heart. So, the mind has a thought, and it must decide, trash, trash it, treasure it. Trash it, treasure it. This is, I know this is basic. But we need this now. Radio, social media, all the voices, all the influence, trash, treasure. Not, oh, it won't affect me. It's a seed. It will. Now, reading the Bible, remember, helps with this process, even if you don't understand it. Discerner. Divider. Oh, it helps. Man, you just love the Bible now. It's so wonderful. With that understanding, let's look at this verse, and then we'll get practical. Blessed is the man, James 1. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Please understand, you are not responsible for temptation. I've said it before. People, a young man, I heard a young man say to an older pastor years and years ago, I have all these terrible thoughts that pass through my mind. He said, well, that's wonderful. They're passing through. 
When you understand that you're not responsible for temptation and the guilt and condemnation leaves, you actually can have victory over thought. That doesn't come from you. He can put a thought in your mind. You're not evil. He's just throwing bait. (laughs) See what happens. You know, you throw a stone into a pack of wolves, the one who yelps is the one who gets hit. Chase that one. Blessed is a man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one, that's everyone else, not you, no, it's everyone. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. That's the presentation. Present the thought. The Lord, the enemy, present the thought. Now, trash or treasure? Right? That's that, that stage. What's next? Then, when desire has conceived, conceived means what? It needed our agreement. Huh. It needed our agreement. The enemy cannot just, in a sense, force things upon you. And the Lord won't force things upon you. He, is, in a sense, lives and dies. That's a horrible word to say. The Lord lives and dies to protect free will. It needs our agreement. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, everything is established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. It's that old cartoon, little angel, little devil. It's great theology. You know, Kronk in the Emperor's New Groove. And he's like, uh, uh, uh. What you agree with, that's one witness, you're the other one, that becomes established in your life. It's a seed that's now being planted. Okay? When desire has conceived, that's the thought. Was it treasured, hosted in the heart, like conception? Has it taken root? And if it is, and we, then it's now taken root. Now it has influence. Then it becomes a, thought, uh, a decision we make an action we take, or something like a lie that we believe. Okay? It has an influence. Then it says this. It gives birth to sin. Now the seed sprouted. Now there's something you can see in the life, in the thoughts, in the, in the practical what they, decisions. You can see it. People can see, oh, there's a, there's a plant. Well, well, this person does that, and this person does that. And its roots are growing into your heart. They're growing into the way you think. They're growing into the way you think. Now, who knows? I've seen it in business. You still have a decision here. Not in my business, but other people that talk to me. It's like you've made a bad decision. You can still kill it while it's young. It's going to cost you. You're going to have to eat humble pie. But you know, I still have an opportunity to turn back. Hello? That's this stage. It's a little plant. You can just... I'm going to actually go this way. It'll cost you, but a lot less. Then it says, and if we don't, it says here, um, it gives birth to sin. See, it's the same with the Lord. It's still young. The Lord gives you a thought. It starts to grow. What does the Bible say? The enemy will come try to snatch it. He tries to kill it while it's young. Because he's afraid of it. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. The desire of the enemy. Don't partner with a stranger's voice to kill, to steal, 
and to destroy. All the while, the Lord is standing there with life in his hand, just like he stood in the garden. And he said, please don't listen to the wrong voice. I have life in my hand. I hold life and death. Which one do you want? Look at this. Last little thing, and then we'll be more practical. And he said, what comes out of a man, Mark 7, Jesus said, and he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. If you don't understand the context, it makes us all sound evil. I understand we're born with a sinful nature. But this is actually just such a revelation of the wickedness of the enemy. Why? Because now something is coming out of my heart, and I think I'm the origin. I think I'm bad. No, it came from the enemy, but it was conceived in my heart. I chose to plant it there. So it is growing up, in a sense, to a good, strong, healthy little thing in me. And now it feels like it's from me when originally it was from him. It's the same with the Lord. Puts a seed, a thought, or the word revealed... And it grows up in us. And Peter said, what I have, I give to you. It's grown up in me. It's mine. Rise up and walk. It's the same. Building a foundation in the heart to receive the voice of God every day, all day. What do I do? Oh, goodness gracious. apologize. What do I do? I'll go through this quickly. Practically, what do I do? Have a time and a place. I'm going to say this. If you have experienced legalism or condemnation over what I'm about to say, just be free of it. But it's also true that you will make time what you value for. Whatever you, you will make time what you have value for. You will. The most precious thing I believe that can happen this side of heaven other than salvation is when it says, and the voice of the Lord came to Elijah. The voice of the Lord came to Jen. The voice of the Lord came to Don. The voice of the Lord. There's nothing like that. Because by his voice he leads. By his voice he creates. By his voice he empowers. By his voice, everything. Have a time and a place. Get alone with God. There's a scripture, Matthew 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Young single mothers, I, I get it. God understands your season. But for the majority of us, have a time and a place. Have a time and a place. Go in somewhere and shut the door. You need to be by yourself with the Lord. You need it. It's a decision to be by yourself with the Lord. Take your tools, a Bible, a notebook, a pen, and maybe some music or instrument if you can do that, and shut yourself away. It doesn't have to be long, but you do have to be alone. Jesus is the master. and says he arose often early in the morning and went out to be with his father. We need to be alone with the Lord. We really do. You must. It's a decision. I used to get really angry when I was trying to pray or someone and staff or even my wife or someone and open the door. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm with the Lord. Like, you wouldn't do this if it was a president, you know, all of that stuff. 
and you have to be gracious with it. But there needs to be a value. Be alone. Don't take your phone in with you. Because then you take the whole world with you. People say, oh, I need my kids to get hold of me. Listen, for thousands of years, they were fine. <laughs> Families, we've all made it. We've all made it. Be inaccessible, friends. Be inaccessible to others. Even if it's 10 minutes, you are not, you are not to disturb me. I'm with the Lord. You are not to come in here. It's a big deal. Second, once you get in there, now what? You know, a person's doing it for the first time. All right. Now what? Be still and worship. Everyone says pray and read. These four points, by the way, I got from a gentleman by the name of Robert Morris. I've taught this in all sorts of different ways. This is not a formula, but the way he said it was, the way he laid it out was nice. So be still and worship. Friends, we just want to go and pray and read. Mm -mm. Worship. And by worship... I mean musical worship. Sing with your voice, not in your head. In Revelations 4 and 5, it gives you a picture of what worship in heaven is like. People say, oh, worship's more than music. That's true, and that's great. But in, in heaven right now, it's musical. I sing old songs, old songs from the 70s and 80s that I grew up with in the moves of God. I sing those. They, they are so important to me. You know, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Just sing, whatever it is for you. It doesn't have to be new, fast. Start to worship the Lord. And let it be real worship. Because even in the Old Testament, and I can't go into this, the Aaron's two priests, two sons, eldest sons, Nadab and Abihu, they're brought in strange fire. I, cover, I said this a little while ago. I, I think it was in Canaanite, though. Because they were supposed to go into the most holy place with a you know, with, with fire and then put incense on it and it would arise like prayers, smoke to the Lord. But they put, they put the incense on it outside the most holy place and walked in and God killed them. I understand, we're not in the Old Testament. But there's something about when you go into the presence of the Lord, He's not a vending machine. You don't just pop in, blah, 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 pop out. He's the Lord. Yeah. Yahweh, El Shaddai. And you go in and you worship him. Because worship, oh man, I have all these wonderful scriptures to show you, but we won't. Worship is what changes your perception. It changes the storm in your mind. It changes, it changes the atmosphere. You just begin to worship until you are in his presence. Proverbs 4 says, incline your ear. It says here, in my son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. We got two cats recently, and they're very cute. And I, I love animals, I've always loved animals. And I always tell Jen, I always talk about animals in the house, how animals' ears, if you notice, they can like look and then like turn the ear to you. Like, hey, I want to do that. And they can even like cup it over, like, hmm, what's he saying? It's pretty cool, right? It's like that. That's what worship does. Incline your ear. You know what they do when they get afraid? Their ears go flat. It's like that in the spirit for you and me. The most repeated command through the Bible, do not be afraid. Why? Because you're, now you can't hear. Now you can't hear. 
It's like radio frequencies. There are radio frequencies, radio signals in this room right now. That's actually what this is using. Can't see them. But you can be on a radio and tuned into the wrong frequency. If you are full of fear, doubt, worry, cynical, bitter, hurt, mistrust, whatever it is, it's in worship. Those things, it's like I'm tuning into the frequency. When I'm in the flesh, the Lord is not on that frequency. But he's always broadcasting. He is on the other frequency, in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Speak by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And because I live in a normal life and in the world and it's all these voices... So I worship until his presence comes. People say, well, you're, what you're talking about takes time. Listen, you don't have to do it every day. I mean that. People like every, we sang it this morning, early in the morning, my song will rise to you. Oh, they knew something back then. They knew something, the guys who wrote those songs back and then, my song will rise. But if you don't have the time every morning, this Ramonda, sorry, to honor him, he takes one day a week, I'm sure he does stuff every day, but I know one day a week he just takes an extended time, that day it's set aside. Maybe you got that one time a week, maybe you got lunch hours, Dwayne used to do lunch hours. Every lunch hour he would spend his lunch hour with the Lord, whatever it is. Don't be legalistic about it. But make a time and a place. And when you're there, be still and worship the Lord. And learn and get into his presence. Then, after that, pray and read. People say, well, what should I pray? Well, whatever's on your heart. Because you're going to think about it anyway. Sometimes you need to... Uh, Robert Morris said it this way, you need to unburden yourself. You're thinking about it anyway. Give that stuff to the Lord. If you have all these thoughts, write them down. You have your tools, write it down, write it down. Because then once you can write it down, you can, you can, like, I'll deal with that later. Just write it down and move on. Write it down and move on. But unburden yourself. Speak to the Lord about whatever's on your mind. If you have a list, great, do that. Just pray what's in your heart. If you're struggling, tell him. I ask the Lord all the time, Lord, give me a love for you. I love him. I know I love him. But I need a love for him. I need wisdom. I need, Lord, help me with my family. It's not all just, you know, shake the mountains. It's de- we're talking daily life here. We're trying to lay a foundation. So pray. I've, in his presence, my perspective is better. Now I'm just praying and I'm, I'm speaking to the Lord. I'm sharing my heart with him. He knows anyway, but he wants you to say it. And don't pray in your head. Pray out loud. When Jesus prayed, he prayed out loud. I wish I had time to go into this. But this can sometimes take a while until you've like shared your heart with the Lord. It depends what you're full of. <laughs> my husband, he's full of... Hmm. It, it does depend what you're full of, because you're a vessel, and both realms are trying to fill you. And if I've spent, I have gates, gates that go into my soul. My eyes are a gate, my ears are a gate, what I listen to, what I watch, they're gates. And if I've spent the whole week filling myself with something, when I go before the Lord, it's like, now I need your voice, I need to know what to do. But I'm full of that culture. 
And it's like, sometimes I've got to get rid of that stuff. I'm not saying don't watch TV, don't, ah, but I'm telling you, you have an eye gate and an ear gate. My dad used to see, use this word all the time, gigo. Garbage in, garbage out. Good in, good out. Can, I'm just being practical. Because in this year, in this day and age, in this time, there is a holiness needed. Not condemnation, but Lord, stir my heart. So, you know, being spirit-filled, people say, I'm a spirit-filled believer. It's not a type, it's a state. Please understand that. I have found hurts, misunderstandings, bitterness, offenses, disappointments, gossip, bad doctrine. Who I think God is, how I think He sees me, is very important when I pray. Because often I'm doing things He's not asked me to do. I'm so sorry, I'm, uh, I'm not seeing Him right. You don't have to earn, impress, prove He loves you. He loves you. Just settle it, He loves you. He wants to speak to you. Then, read the Bible. We've discussed that a lot because we're still on this basic foundation. People say, where should I read? On the inside. (laughs) Right there. Where all the words are. You read it there. It's very good. That's it. Read on the inside. If you are... Going through this thing, read that. I read John 13 to 17, I don't know how many times, because it's about the Holy Spirit and how God speaks. I read Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians so many times because my mind was messed up from drugs. And that repaired my brain. The epistles fixed the brain. I don't know how, but they just do. Just read. Read, because the Logos has a language it speaks. Read until it speaks to you. Then stop and stay there. When it comes alive, stay there. Read until it speaks to you. And if, you know, this is not all in one day, you understand? It, it can be like in a, a time, but sometimes it's, I'm going to just do this, and a month goes by. I'm like, ah, oh, it's like hard. It won't stay like that. Because you, you're changing what seeds are growing in your heart. It won't stay like that. Then a couple months go by and you're like, I really am hearing the Lord now. Man, I, 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 I knew that was going to happen. Or I could really understand my wife different. Or, man, I, my thoughts are cleaner. I, it's not like that. It says in Luke 180 and in Luke 2, verse 46, I think it is, it says both about John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. It says, the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit. Little layer of wax. We used to do that in the fair. You dip your hand in a pot of wax, and it hardens. And you do it again. And you do it again. And slowly it gets thicker and stronger. It waxes. The anointing's the same. It waxes over time. And then lastly, listen and write. What is the Lord saying to me with the scripture? You've got a book, you've got something to write on. Don't take a phone. I mean, you can, but you'll have so many phone notes. I have an actual notebook. I have piles of them. I take a notebook and I write, 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 write. 
even if it's weird to you, even if it's, I think he's saying this, go to the scriptures with the author, Holy Spirit, I'm going to read. Please speak to me. He wrote it. He knows. It's so simple. Nobody does it. It's so simple. It really is that simple. Have a value for his voice in your life. Next week, we'll talk about other things. Inner voice, the prophetic, dreams, visions, and other ways God speaks. That's the stuff everyone wants to get to. But lay a foundation in your heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. Bless you. Bless you.